0: Hello, and welcome to Break the Line, the podcast where we talk with guests about topics in contemporary poetry. I'm your host, Rebecca Farivar. Normally, I'd say the catch is the guests aren't poets, but this month I actually spoke with a wonderful poet, Joshua Marie Wilkinson. Though Joshua is best known as a poet, having authored six books, he also has a background in film. He earned an M.A. in film studies from University College, Dublin, and co-directed a tour documentary about the band Caliphone called Made a Machine by Describing the Landscape. On a smaller scale, Joshua has also produced hundreds of poem films in his journal Rabbit Light Movies, and it's these poem films that we talk about in this episode. We start off by talking about the film for the poem Salt by Kate Greenstreet, and then talk about two films centered on Joshua's poems, Shimoda's Tavern and The Lightning. Links to all three videos are up at my website, RebeccaFaravar.com. Just click on the podcast tab. Okay, let's get to the show.
1: I think how I write, and I always feel like I'm lying about what I say about how I write, and so I'll just say that. But I think what I do is generate writing by hand, and then, go back through the notebooks and make notes and type up what I want to try to use and print that out and add to that and subtract to that and kind of, you know, that something like that kind of happens. Uh, I think that's actually kind of true. And I think film is is actually kind of similar for me in 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 so far as like going around and shooting sort of random stuff, especially when I travel and shooting you know whatever footage of this or in my neighborhood or at night going around with the camera and filming the traffic going by or whatever, it is. and then later um, kind of culling through it and seeing what looks interesting because it's it's the, I don't know it sort of feels similar to writing for me insofar as like I never know what's going to be interesting later whatever I think is interesting in the moment it's pretty boring when I'm looking at it later and then whatever might be you know might be interesting later I I might not even I remember having filmed or remember having written to follow the metaphor but that that's part of the thread that I want to sort of take up and 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 carry carry across or something that
0: you know that's Interesting you bring that up because that was one thing I was struck with when watching um, these sort of poem films that we'll take a closer look at in a minute. Uh, but it seemed like I think even there was a note at the end saying that it was recorded, the, the images were recorded at a different date than the, the poems were recorded. Um, and so it sounds like then are you saying sort of your processes, you kind of go out and film what's around you and then later start matching it to the poems or what, what is that sort of process like?
1: Yeah, it's different for all of them. I mean, I would like movies and like a, just almost kind of as a joke. And I mean like a serious joke, but like, just like I wanted to be called movies and not films or not cinema. I wanted to be kind of small and kind of did not have the sort of that, that the imprimatur of sort of high art to it, but of, of low art and sort of play and stuff. I think that's part of it. But I think, but they're Yeah, they're done sort of differently. So I went around my neighborhood. This is when I was living in Denver at the time. I lived over in a, ne- a neighborhood called West Wash Park, and I would just sort of go around and kind of cull footage from things that looked kind of vaguely interesting to sort of film and then kind of try to assemble something that would sort of fit and sort of not fit. don't want to try to illustrate the poem. That's one of the things I'm really, really – I just don't want to do. I don't care about I, – I think – Reading to me is all about the imagination of what your mind can do while you're reading, and so if the visual corollary does that for you, then that to me just like ruins the experience.
0: I think that's one thing, and maybe maybe we'll start taking a closer look at some of these because that's one thing that's really, I guess, craftful about these little short poem movies uh, is that they aren't illustrating the poem, and it's such—you know—it's one of those areas where, when you start pairing visuals with poetry it has such a uh, potential just to become cheesy or reductive and so, of finding that that line where h- how how is the visual like enhancing the poem or working with the poem and not just reducing it or you know making it a music video essentially why don't we take a listen to salt and then we can talk a little bit more in some specifics so uh, let's go ahead and listen to that now
2: What would I do if I were serious? Most people have been dead for more than 20 years. I was getting my car fixed, waiting, and a man, an older man, who seemed to have a hole in his throat said, hi, remember me? Everybody wants a simple answer. 10, has been used to seed clouds. They say the color of our dead skin matters. They say we get the help we need. As kids, we played on the pads they cut. It was a murder mystery. But instead of a lot of suspects, there were a lot of psychic detectives. One was just an alive arm, just the arm was a being. It took to me, and I wore it then, like a scarf.
0: Okay. Um, so yeah, like you mentioned, uh, or maybe we could describe the visuals for this of this video a little bit more for the listeners. So like you said, um, you have Kate's voice from, from this reading, and it the, the images cut back and forth between there's te- actual text on the screen um, of the poem, but it doesn't always line up with what she's saying. So that's one of like the main aspects of that the, the visuals of this um video that really jump out is that sometimes it lines up uh the text on the screen and sometimes it's text that you've already heard her say uh popping up and, and then interspersed with that we have some images cutting through of like street lights uh images of street um is there anything else you would add to that description
1: yeah there's like some graffiti there's cars and like that. Kind of telephone lines. I think that they're, they're you know, all of them. and there's a, there's there are images of the moon that I shot on the night when the when the moon was like quite full. I think I might have taken some of those same images. And also used it for the, the for the little Sawako Nakayasu that I made. Um, also for some of her little texture notes or ant aunt poems, I think. Um, also another one of the early rabbit light movies that I made when I was living in Denver. Um, but yeah, I think just to try to find something that is a visual, there is some kind of visual interest, but it's, just, it's not provocatively interesting. For that's a little bit of a distraction for the eye to then sort of like hear the voice a little bit better, a little bit differently, a little kind of as a counterpoint to the voice as opposed to, again, as opposed to an illustration of what the voice is saying or something that's going to take you so far away from from the, from the voice that you kind of forget that really the job here, I sort of think that the movies are all about listening, which seems contrary because like, well, why not just like have, have it just be audio with nothing to look at. But I think there's something kind of weird and magical that happens when you're looking at something relatively stable, relatively placid, relatively boring or bland that allows us to hear how animated the life of the poem in the voice is. And to me that's like sort of what's exciting about the movies. Um, and in some ways, some of the other ones are just like, the, you know, the person's, Head reading and you see them, hear them, and all that. And there's there's certain other kinds of pleasures for me that come to that, um, come with that also. But for these, especially, I think these are the best ones. These are the most interesting ones, partly because you can like hear all the texture and the sonic qualities of the voice, and then all of the all the sort of the the oblique and attendant meanings of the actual poem itself as it's unfolding in real time in the author's sort of cadence and breath and all that kind of stuff that's sort of I think what the movies are trying to get after and then and visual is just this um it's just to stay it's like this little trap for to to sort of focus you to sort of calm down
0: mm-hmm. yeah I think that that's exactly I know for myself my experience of watching the the movies is exactly that it gives you a context for the listening almost it focuses you in I know like this is my my deep dark secret but I find it really difficult going to poetry readings just because it's so difficult for me to concentrate on the poet speaking like I just get so distracted looking at the audience or looking at them and you know thinking about other things
1: but and it's all... yeah I find myself the same I just want to look at everybody I want to see who all is here there's something social space of it and then also like there's so much being communicated through body language that we're always kind of partially or unconsciously aware of and so like it's it's impossible to like slough that off at a poetry reading especially when there are those issues of like performance and ego all the all the kind of the bullshit that attends on those even at the best readings you know i i find my Exact same way, and I'm incredibly distracted. I mean, I'm you know, I like certain of them, but you know, most mostly we go to bad readings and pretend they're good. You know,
0: right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and and it is like you said, it's like a social event. So there's all all this other sort of background, uh, that's taking your attention away from the work. Whereas with the film, it's sort of like you're there watching it on your computer. Cause these are, you know, online, like a YouTube video, uh, and it, it has your attention and you can really focus on it for the, the three minutes while the film's going and really listen. And, um, You know, one thing too with the the Kate Greenstreet with this this text aspect um, with the text sort of popping up and sometimes uh, corresponding and then sometimes not you might think it's distracting and it it is certainly surprising that was one thing that I really enjoyed about that film because it it is surprising I hadn't seen it before but then when it does line up it's almost like a beat within the poem and it adds this kind of extra emphasis almost made it a little ominous because some of the the lines that get picked up um, as repeated with the, the the line that the man says like hi remember me it, it makes it almost that much more in your face oh that this line it really yeah,
1: jumps out that's what I really noticed that too watching rewatching it this morning and i haven't watched that movie probably in years and i really noticed that too how the po- how the film really wants to sort of like put on display that ominous kind of mystery of and kind of like deepen that. I think kind of in a heavy handed way actually, because it was one of my first ones. I mean, I still like it, but I sort of I see all the strings, you know, and I'm like, you know, the poem is better than the movie. And just like try to let the poem do what it's doing. And now I would make like a movie for that exact same for that exact same little clip of audio. It also reminds me too of something that Kate was just here um, here in Tucson a couple, uh, when was that? Maybe, I don't know, a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember because I've been traveling, but, um, and I was talking to Max, um, Greenstreet after the reading and I was telling him that I showed a couple of movies at the Ecopoetics conference in Berkeley. And one of the things, and you know, they make movies and he makes movies and he and Kate make movies together also. Um, and they make movies, they kind of do collab movies of their own kind of music and, and, and writing and stuff like that. And, um, I was telling Max that I realized that only on blowing it up on a bigger screen, showing Shimoda's tavern and showing this other Fred Moten movie that I made uh, for one of Fred's poems, only on seeing it on a bigger screen, you know, in like kind of a you know an academic setting, um, did I realize how much I like the tiny little screen, the little YouTube screen. I, I hate YouTube actually, but I love how small that like little three by five window is and i i tend not to actually blow it up to full screen even when i'm watching it there's something about the screen within the screen watching it on your on your computer desktop that like i didn't realize but unconsciously like they're really made for that viewing they're not actually made to be projected in this giant room and that this and that the vimeo sort of like mini screen is just a substitute it's really the it's really i realized seeing it blown up in a big room and i was totally uncomfortable it just it was like it kind of it kind of like wrecked all the intimacy of, of sort of like how we sort of spend time at this, at this sort of screen. And there's something about the way that the size of that, the scale of that and the audio of that and all the things that are sort of attend to that, to the smallness of that, of that little window within the window. um, I think I realized unconsciously were so much what the little movies were about or what they were trying to sort of sort of capture in some way. And I think it really has to do with the int- intimacy of wanting to get really close to the poem and really listen to the poem and kind of like the poem is the secret. This poem is this thing to sort of be overheard and overwatched and that that kind of thing.
0: Cool. Well, since you, you brought it up, why don't we go ahead and take a look at Shimoda's Tavern? And like you said, this uh, was one of the poems you presented at the Eco uh, Poetics Conference. And it's also a poem that you wrote. So that's one thing that makes it distinct that we'll probably uh, look at in our, our talking from the, the Kate Green Um So let's go ahead and listen to Shimoda's Tavern.
1: The bar in the dream was called Shimoda's and the life of the trench was lit with a little throne of madness, also known as St. Mandelsham's Palace of Shadows, a wedding cake of sawdust and some orange methadone and little foam cups. As what the guests came to gather around sank the sun and brought from a pit of fire some warmth to their fingers and to their necks, and we could shuttle down to the dead to see what meant the listeners, to see which bramble of thought could invite us to tangle the phone wires together, fixing a switch of cord, some tape and a weapon in one hand, a glass of limeade in the other. Who could be friends with an elevated desert such as this? Who could call it alone and know it unharmed? Whose passions but your own startled you? yelling up to a window at night for love to come to the glass and down the stairs a kitchen match could warm me here in the gossip hearing what i'm covering my cuts for that an eel might not drift up through the waters and find my sleep a pleasing place to live for what's alive set in motion an old thought lost to a bowl of broth Or to an armory of scents contagious at the wrist. Dreaming loud. Dreaming up in the undecidable airs. and my matchbook folds its fruit fly, crushed here, down to the last two strikes tonight. Did you find the method you sought? Did the ending originate you? Or were you forcing the credits to bring a stopper to the fore? The shutter clicks its clicks. The moon's dropping its blanket to the puddles of 1,000 dogs here on the search for sleep to carry them out onto, over, through, before, because, and across. So says the dead woman in her calm ways. What won't oppose you? What won't actually mend you? What won't call your despicable behavior what it truly is? Whom for, for you? I was in the wet green of Ranala, breathing beer, breathing this briny island air. And of the islands, those nearby scuttled in a bit closer, young slasher.
0: Do you want to maybe describe the visuals a little bit for the listeners? Um, And again, these are posted online. I'll have links up onto the website. So definitely encourage people to watch the videos while listening. But uh, for those who didn't do that, do you want to give a little description of the visuals here? Yeah,
1: um, the the visuals are of February 11th. I think it was February 11th in 2011 when I was living in pretty big blizzard, um, that got some national headlines and like that, and um, there was a, almost two feet of snow fell in Chicago. And even for Chicago, that was, um, that was an insane amount of snow all at once. So what you're seeing in the movie is just my neighborhood, which is on the far North side of Chicago and Andersonville, um, on Ravenswood Avenue and near Berlin and Foster and Clark, um, uh, you're just seeing this underpass that's over in the West Andersonville, uh, kind of neighborhood gardens and, uh, under the metro trail, line, metro trail line, basically it's just a lot of snow <laughs> that you're, um, from my building outside my building, uh, where I lived at, um, Ravenswood and Berwyn and, um, and, uh, snow kind of falling in the street light. And there's this kind of eerie underpass, kind of a tunnel. Uh, that really filled up with snow, and there 's sort of like in the way that sort of um, I guess urban kind of renewal projects kind of tend to do, especially in Chicago, where there 's all of these kind of um, you know elementary school kind of paintings on this tunnel that 's now filled with snow, but all the paintings are also really really beat to hell, and so there 's this kind of like eerie kind of pre apocalyptic of uh, kind of quality to seeing all of this snow and this kind of urban rot and decay there's a there's a a shot of a train um going through the blizzard which is the metro line going south into the city um what else there's the there's you know there's there's in certain ways you can see the blizzard sort of falling over these um these uh, telephone poles. Um, and street lamps and stuff like that, so you can see kind of the. In some ways, you can kind of see the quantity, yeah, and, and, uh, and the degree, the, sort of the scale of, of how much really snow is sort of, of falling. And of it sort the, of cuts lamp, around uh, in between the lights these images, of the street right?
0: lamps, and it kind of blurs. And there's the snow is on the the screen and kind of has that faded quality to it um, at the end. So. So yeah, um, definitely, yeah. So uh, like so, this one, you know, in comparison to the Kate Greenstreet, like you said, the images are much more uh, static in a way. It has this sort of calm but eeriness about it, uh, definitely, which really matches the tone of the poem uh, in a lot of ways. You know, one thing that really struck me about this video, because t- we've talked a lot about how the the video sort of modifies the poem in a way or or is working with the poem. But I really feel strongly in this one, how by adding the poem or having the poem audio, it really changes the experience of the images because it it feels so intensely, you know, I think pairing with the poem and then because, um, oh, we should also say that the, the video is moving. So it's, you can really tell that it's a person walking. It really feels like the, image you're seeing from the video and the poem that they're the same person you know it's the same speaker and we're seeing that speaker's viewpoint as they're wandering into this snowscape in a way i know is that part of your intention or do you i mean maybe you see it differently
1: Yeah, no, I like what you're saying about it. I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, I kind of, I, I have this when I'm working on it. I, I lay the audio track down. I record part of the poem that I that I think will work, and I lay the audio track down, and then I put the visuals on top of the audio. And so the audio is really the base. It's not sound. I don't make the movie and then try to see what what sounds will work with it or what poem will work with it. I kind of choose the poem first and then I figure out what's going to be the visual corollary to it. And, you know, as I said earlier, I tend to sort of like accumulate all these images and I thought, okay, this is going to work. Also, this was a, a poem in which, um, in which it's kind of about Tucson. I mean, it's about desert. It's about living in this place that's incredibly dry, incredibly inhospitable to human life that every single thing in this in this area of the world tends to have spikes or thorns or is poisonous or something to sort of protect it from, from whatever else is around it. And I think that there's something really eerily different in, uh, in certain ways from, from that in Chicago and eerily the same. Mm
0: -hmm. It sounds like interesting to hear you talk about sort of the background and, and your thoughts about the poem and then how that relates to, Uh, how you then created the the movie, you know, which is distinct then from if you're working with another poet's work, all you have is your sort of reading of their poem or, or understanding of it and experience of it. Um, So do you find is your process when you're creating a movie that matches a poem that you wrote? is, Is it different than when you're creating a movie that that is going with a different poet's work?
1: I think similar, I think it is that thing where, you know, you don't want to like, want to try to perform literary criticism on your own, whatever. I mean, oh my God, that's tedious. So there, I I think it's a little bit like, um, treating the poem, like it's this finished other thing that I kind of don't know anything about anymore. I mean, that's, with my own stuff, but I have no desire, like really whatsoever, to like explicate my poems or figure out what you know their attendant meanings or whatever. That seems like so banal to me. Whereas, like, other things, and I love to write criticism, I love to write reviews, and I love to sort of think about how poets do what 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 they do and to kind of you know to redescribe their work. So, but I think it's a little bit like there is a difference because I don't know what Kate Greenstreet was thinking about, intending, planning. Working through when she wrote, um, when she wrote the poems in her first book, and so there is a, there is just a necessary sort of gap between my making the film about Kate's work or Fred Moten's work or C.D. Wright or whatever. Than there is about mine, but I think I still tend to treat mine like it's this other weird object that's kind of over there now for me then to like lay stuff on top of, rather than this is what I meant, this is what I was saying, this is what I intended, this is what I had planned. I don't really think of the poem at all in that way. I think of it as very as language used so otherwise that it wouldn't even really be possible for me to do it. And because I have no interest in illustrating it anyway regardless of whose poem it is, that's already off the table. And so I think that like, gives me freedom actually to treat my own work like it is somebody else's, which I think is the only interest I would even have in making little movies about my poems. Because if you're not going to illustrate them and try to deepen them in that way, then sort of it's like, well, what, what's the point? Well, they're this other thing now. And especially in the recorded voice, which is always so weird for us, as I'm sure you're, you are acutely aware having this radio program, you know, with this podcast, where you uh, of what it sounds like to listen to your own voice. I don't know if you can stand it, but there is something I think so othering about hearing one's own voice recorded through the apparatus and and then playing it back and hearing ourselves as an other and how oftentimes disconcerting that that is.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And you're like, wait a minute, that's what the world hears me as. That that's not what I sound like in my head. I don't. I didn't know this whole time. That's what I sounded like. Yeah,
1: something. Like that. I think there's something yeah. about wanting to manipulate that as something as something very other, something that I no longer have any control over, but not even really any knowledge of. And I think that that then it becomes kind of exciting, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it kind of like again, I guess going back to the process of writing poetry, it seems to to mirror that in a way, sort of seeing yourself othered on on the page yeah. in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and and that for me it's always interesting about like what resists your own knowledge, what resists your own summary, what resists your own little story that you tell yourself about why you wrote this and how and for who and because why and all that kind of stuff. I like it when language when we can use language otherwise that it can resist those kinds of conventional ways of knowing and receiving and summarizing and sort of asserting knowledge or whatever. And to me, it's like poetry is all about that. And people hate poetry for exactly that reason. But uh, I think poetry is all about that. And I think the films can sort of like, I don't know, deepen that or adumbrate that or consolidate that in some way that to me sort of seems kind of ex- an, an, a different kind of exciting way to, um, to I guess, re-experience how, poem might want us to get enfolded in it or something. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Cool. Well, let's see. Why don't we go ahead um, and just take a look at the, the last one here, The Lightning, which is really different from the other two, actually, in a lot of ways, just because uh, we're looking at a drawing, uh, and then the video is a sort of a, a cut of the drawing. So why don't we go ahead and first uh, listen to it, and then we can talk about it a little more. So this is The Lightning.
1: Now, who is that in the river? All my dead friends, waiting for the moon to get on its hoist. What are their names? The electricians of sleep, the humiliated, the escutcheoned, the trust till marked, the partly roofed, the muddied collective, and my brothers, and your brothers also, and yours, and their dogs In the white field of black manure to a tentacular sky getting its yellow dust over our so-called fortress. Getting it onto your necks? But yes. And getting it into your scalps? Why yes. You thought your soul had careened crooked? Was it that you thought it could be so? That the noise trailed off? So this must mark the ending. From the messenger girl's lost routes to her passage out through the wooden woods. The stenographer's child translator to the plastic owl on call to the legendary child thieves thieving. And did the crumbs show the courier where went a friend? Well, the lightning is open in the ground. The ground's song can refract the circus of your blood, and you can burn just about anything with neglect and an ignorance of a few basic principles. I haven't got most of the proof I need. Unlimited language on the hunt for what won't tarry with us at the edge. The ocean just wants a bathtub, friend like any untethered satellite looking to be known to an unclothed body.
0: Okay, great. Um, do you want to maybe describe the image a little bit? Uh, so like I said, it is a drawing, and then the screen kind of pans and moves so that it, different aspects of the drawing s- slowly reveal as the poem is being, right? Right.
1: right. So uh, this one... Um, the image is a single still image. There's a drawing by the visual artist, Noah Sederstrom. And, um, and uh Noah did this drawing I don't know when he did this drawing but I found it over in his studio Noah lives a couple blocks from me in Tucson and I've collaborated with him before he did drawings for for a book that that Noah like Gordon and I wrote called Figures for a Dark Room Voice he also did the cover art for that he's done the cover art for a lot of different poets books and has collaborated with a lot of poets like Ann Waldman he did a big freeze with Ann Waldman and he did the he's done the cover for some Tarpaulin Sky books and he did um Andrew Ruxilius' um, last book's cover, and anyways, he's somebody who's really familiar with with poets and sort of the land of the land of poetry, and collaborates with poem, poets a lot. But anyways, this is just a drawing, a single drawing that is kind of like of this old Southern Gothic kind of mansion out. The way I see it is kind of in the woods, and there's like kind of hanging vines and kind of a foresty type Mississippi sort of. Um, Sort of hanging kudzu, kind of like thing. Even though it's very sketchy, it's very clear and it's very sketchy. Simultaneously, is very blurry where it wants to be blurry, and it's very stark and very, um, very kind of clean in, in where it wants to be stark and clean. And I love it for exactly that. And for me, it just seems like a metaphor for a poem. There's certain things that are absolutely ineluctably stated, true, constitutive of sort of facts in the poem, and then there's all you know. Once you start. Stacking one of those on top of on top of another, it becomes even less and less clear. Or something else starts to happen. Some other new kind of kind of thing starts to happen that actually complicates our idea that that language is clear at all. That there is any 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 clarity in anything that gets said, especially in the world of a poem. So it sort of works like that in a in a way. And it feels like I've just always been drawn to it. From the moment I found it, and um, I got it for myself. the 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 drawing is called "Runt." Like the word "burnt" with "b," but instead with an "r," and there's all these other little sketchy words that are sort of down by the side. It, um, to I can't remember what the, I'm looking at it right now, but um, what they all are. It sits above my desk in my in my office. There's words like burnt and "runt" and "ruined" and "rent" and "skint," "skint," and "skunk," "shant," and "shard." So, John Bresland, who um, who edits. Or triquarterly magazine um, out of out of Evanston, and he wrote to me and asked me if I would do a movie that just just had a still image, and you can pan over the still image, you can keep it still, but no no video per se. I mean, there is a it is kind of videoy because it does pan over the image. It's just that, and so he asked me if I would do that. I knew immediately that I wanted to do Nasa's thing, and I. And I just did it, and I just like made it. I think pretty much like overnight, or maybe in a day or two. And um, and it was yeah, it was very fun. And it was it's also actually uh, from a different part of the Shimoda's Tavern um, um, book, which is sort of why it sounds sounds kind of similar. These long rhetorical, these kind of big, um, big sort of circumlocutionary kinds of kinds of rhetorical kind of kind of kind of weirdnesses that sort of accumulate and stack up one on one on the other.
0: So it's interesting with this static image, um, it's almost like the video's working, or or the video's not even really present because your focus is on the image and the poem. And in this case, the medium is really just marrying the two together, um, focused on the, the drawing and how as the drawing is revealed more what I'm hearing the poem and and how those are corresponding and less about the actual video itself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's right. I mean, I think it, it just gave me an opportunity to do something new in that, in that way that seemed really exciting. And it seemed just like a different kind of, yeah, a way to make a different kind of movie. And I, I, do anybody anything that anybody asked me to do if they're interested in like wanting to get me to do something i'll just like try it um especially with this so i kind of immediately knew that this would work in some way especially if you have an image that that i don't know uh i mean it can be done kind of poorly it's it's easy, easy to think of la jeté the the famous kind of chris marker uh movie that's just this accumulation of photographs with that are narrated over it feels like a slideshow it's such a beautiful. Movie and and um, it's very easy to make fun of and very easy to parody as well. It's so good. I was sort of thinking of thinking about how that sort of works, you know, in, in terms of going back to his film and stuff like that. But uh, I, I'll kind of like do anything that anybody asks me that's, that that has that has anything to do with that, you know. And, with making a movie in a new way or whatever, right? Trying to write something in a new way or force something, and so I think it was just an opportunity to say, like, oh yeah, I don't know how to do that. I want to try to do that, you know?
0: Yeah, and it does definitely have a narrating effect because I guess the one aspect that the video really is mediating the experience is this panning action, and you know, we start out in this sort of close up of like one edge of the drawing, and you sort of see the edge of the house, but you don't know. That it's a house yet, and then it pans over, um, and it does seem like the some of the lines kind of correspond. Like the line "You can burn just about anything with neglect and ignorance of a few basic principles" corresponds when we see the fully dilapidated house, um, and it again kind of has a punctuation aspect. So it's almost like narrating even though the house isn't illustrating the poem but it's like oh this is an example almost of what happens with neglect and ignorance
1: isn't that funny you know I never even realized oh
0: really oh I so thought that was intentional (laughs) that seemed so (laughs) wow that's that's amazing so it's kind of I guess it was more of an intuitive process for you then as you were uh, working with it
1: yeah, and I even watched it again this morning and I that never it still has never even occurred to me at all. Now now that you say it it seems just so utterly obvious. But in know? a good
0: way, you know, I like I thought, Oh wow, that, that really punctuates that line now for me and we see the fullness of, of the drawing uh at that moment.
1: Oh, um, No no, yeah, that's a great observation to me but now now of course yeah.
0: now you're gonna yeah now you're gonna see it sorry <laughs> um well that's great and it's kind of like we can see almost an evolution then looking from salt where uh it was much more had more of that cutting aspect like you said and now your interest uh in trying to really make the image static and and have the image you know emphasize the the palm more you can see that in this one it, it's really at the i guess the apex of that where we really do have a very static image that that's holding the visual spot
1: yeah, I think that kind of fluidity with the camera pan as you said i think if it was just these static images where nothing happened and there was no movement it wouldn't be enough to make it would it would just be i don't know some kind of still life while the audio unfolds and i haven't I haven't done that yet. And that doesn't seem as interesting to me as having there is something really lovely about movement and the about the way that movement is really unpredictable, especially with how accustomed we are to like really quick editing and sort of sleight of hand sort of digital techniques. Now it just seems like it's just part of the fabric of being because it's sort of everywhere around us, especially online and in television, et cetera. But um but yeah, I think it is, I think it is. now that you say that, I do think it is about movement in some way and about how fluid or not movement can sort of be in, in terms of luring your eye back into the sonic qualities of the poem, not to get like too synesthesia concerned about it, but, um, but I think it is kind of about that.
0: Definitely. Great. Um, well, good. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Unless is there anything else you wanted to add that we didn't touch on?
1: no i think that's yeah that's great this has been fun
0: no thank you so much so like that that is a show thanks everyone for listening